Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with my colleague, none other than the Santa Barbara County, North County editor, and uh, somebody who impresses me uh, daily, the amount of work she does, high quality of work, and uh, as she dubs herself, the the wrangler of words. So uh, Janine Scully, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing good. It's fun to be here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, Janine, we've worked together for, for a while. Uh, we don't really see each other that much because you are up in North County and I'm in South County, but we, um, you know, work for Newshawk and we're always busy. You know, we're definitely among the busiest uh, in terms of bylines at Newshawk. So I'm looking forward to sort of talking to you and talking journalism shop and sort of see, you know, how things are going from your perspective. And I'm wondering if we could just sort of like uh, dive right in and tell me, how, how did you come to be the, the North County editor at Newshawk? I know you've had a, a career before this and you worked other places, but can you tell me a little bit about how this opportunity came up and uh, you know, it's tough to go from daily papers to this online venture. So can you talk to me a little bit about that? Sure. So I started, um, I actually had worked at the Santa Maria Times since 1991 um, covering. And then as they added the papers, the Lompoc Record and San Ynez Valley News, I um, had worked with Tom Bolton there when Tom came to be the executive editor. And then I went to... Um, the opportunity came up and he contacted me about the opening at Newshawk and it seemed like something, the chance to work for a local publication that was serving the community seemed like something I would enjoy. So I took a leap of faith and left corporate journalism after 20 plus years, I think it was 23 by the time I left uh, Santa Maria Times, it was more than that for the other papers, but, um, and joined Newshawk and just have not looked back at a single bit. Now, I worked at print newspapers, you know, like you for, for most of my career. And there's still a little bit of a, an element of risk, I think, you know, when you go work for an online only venture, because it's sort of, you know, for us old school people, we really like that, that newspaper, it feels uh, meaningful and important. And, and then you go online, and a lot of that is gone. That vocabulary is gone. The, the things that you used to talk about when it was in a newspaper form, you don't really talk about as much. So how has the transition been for you to online journalism? What do you like more about it? You know, what did it take a little bit longer to get used to that sort of thing? I like that you can put in the links to different, um, different things. And I think that's really helpful for the readers. It, yeah. It's just right there. And yeah, there is still that loss of you know, the smell and the feel of the print paper. Um, on the other hand, your fingers don't get dirty from the ink rubbing off with yeah. online journalism. So that's not, that's a nice switch. Um, I, I think that's mostly it. I mean, it's just, I really like that you can be more timely. Um, you know, you can add to the story, like the story doesn't have to be done at that point. Sometimes sometimes stories evolve and you can update the story as needed during the day, which is especially valuable with breaking news stories. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's a lot of it. It is weird. It, there is some adjustments. I mean, of, of not, of, you're always on deadline in some ways with an online publication. Mm -hmm. You don't have just one deadline a day that then you can like 
slack off for the rest of the time and kind of relax. And um, so there's definitely, that's a switch. You, you're just always on, on deadline in, in a sense. I don't know if you felt yeah. that. Yeah, so. no, 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 definitely in the, you know, in the old days, I remember waking up at 2 a.m., you know, literally 2 a.m. that time thinking, <laughs> oh, my gosh, I forgot to change this or I forgot to fix that right. or that, that title. <laughs> I threw in the title and I never double checked it. And, oh, my goodness. I'm going to be in so much trouble when I get to work on Monday <laughs> or in the morning. And now when that happens, you know, we just go fix it, <laughs> just go in there and, you know, make the change. And I think that, you know, that happens with the insignificant errors. If it's a significant error, of course, we, we let people know that, oh, there's a factual error and we fixed it here. But, you know, for like a typo or something like that, it's so nice to be able to be in that 24-7 atmosphere where you can go in there and change it. You know, one of the things that really impresses me about, about your work is you're so prolific. I mean, you have so many bylines. And so I really respect that because you're constantly working all the time. And I don't even know how many stories you do, but it's a lot. You know, nobody's ever wondering what Janine's doing. We know what she's doing. She's working. So, um, you know, so I really value that. And, and that that's impressive. You cover North County. It's just one of you. Can you talk about your approach? Like, how do you get your news? I mean, there's nobody out there who's necessarily saying, hey, Janine, write this story. You decide. How do you, how do you decide what you cover and what you don't? It's kind of it's kind of hit and miss. Sometimes it's just um, checking agendas. Sometimes it's um, checking court calendars. Sometimes it's getting notified. Sometimes it's any anything I planned in one morning is scrapped because there's breaking news, and my my beautifully planned day is diverted into something completely different. Um, that happens a lot. The um, a lot of it is just kind of, and I try to spread the spread the love among the North County communities. So, um, and just kind of look and see what's the most important, what's the most interesting to readers, and then what looks fun, what looks fun to do. Because if it's not fun for us, I don't think it'll be fun for the readers, yeah. uh, or interesting or intriguing to us. Um, so I think that's a lot of it is just kind of just keeping an eye on everything. Um, going on and just scanning the the various sources uh, mm -hmm. and resources that are that are out there and social media in today's that's another big change um, in the evolution of journalism is social media sometimes throws throws ideas out there that are valuable and then sometimes they end up just being complete rumors that <laughs> so can you talk about some of your stories, some of the, the highlights? So you started working, what what year, 91, did you say? or how long? Actually, I started, um, I graduated from Fresno State in 86, and a few okay. weeks later started um, working in, for the weekly paper, Kingsburg Reporter, which is a Swedish-themed um, community, kind of like how Solvang was, uh -huh. um, is Danish, so it's um, their, their water tower is a Swedish coffee pot. Um, so, which was right across the street from our office and um, used to be fun to look at. So, and then I worked after I worked there for 18 months, I went to the Hanford Sentinel in Kings County, worked there for three years and then wanted to get back to the coast because the central coast is home. Um, 
I grew up in northern San Luis Obispo County. So I wanted to get back to the coast. I was tired of 100 degree weather. I was had one too many freaky experiences on super foggy roads at night mm. that made me realize I was on the wrong side of the road and I couldn't see a darn thing. And it just, it's not this, the Thule fog is not the same as our beloved coastal marine layer fog. So, mm. um, so yeah, I came back to the Santa Maria, or I came to the Santa Maria Times in 1991 and um, I covered mostly when I started, I covered Santa Maria Public Airport District, Guadalupe and Vandenberg Air Force Base. And I've covered, um, and then obviously I kind of just, as we all do, you end up doing general assignments and anything. So a favorite stories is one that I did when I was still at the Santa Maria Times. Um, there was a commander, I was covering either Memorial Day or Veterans Day ceremony, and there was a colonel at the base who said that he had um, with, had long, had worn a POW MIA bracelet for a guy from Viet, who was killed in Vietnam and presumed miss, uh, missing and presumed killed. Um, and they, uh, he'd worn this bracelet for years decades probably since I think college or ROTC um, and they ended up finding his remains and his family the family of the the fallen soldier asked Colonel Baltz to escort the remains home and he got to you know be involved in bringing bringing that man home after wearing his bracelet and so someone he didn't know beforehand he didn't know the family beforehand and had reached out at some point and that to me was just a favorite, a favorite story because it was just such a neat story. Yeah. And Mattel getting to highlight the loss that this family had felt and that, that someone out there had remembered their loved one. Mm -hmm. So, and several of those stories, there was another one where um, Santa Maria started the, uh, the Freedom Monument Veterans Memorial in front of the, the youth center. Um, and there was a, there was a mother it all kind of began because a mother of a vietnam veteran had gone to the chamber of commerce and said who which was at the time run by a veteran and said you know no one remembers my son who was killed in vietnam and it's just um it's just a story that just kind of haunted the guy who first heard it and he shared it and they've they've now created this memorial with various veterans names on it so that they are remembered and doing some of the stories and telling who some of those veterans are and were and you know that the families these are significant losses in some of these families and obviously they're it's you know they're they never forget their loss but they like to know that that others have also not forgotten that loss yeah, you know, it's, those are really touching stories, you know, the ones yeah. that you do and you sort of, when you're able to share somebody's personal and individual story like that with a broader audience, you really feel you as a journalist that you're really doing your job, you know, because you're really bringing it um, home in a way that people can understand and connect, you know. So, right. So so that, yeah. And, uh, you know, you cover a lot of crime too, North County, um, you know, you're responsible for everything. So, you know, you're covering... Vandenberg and you know you're covering development and planning and then you're also covering crime and press conferences uh, can you talk a little bit about how you 
how you deal with covering really sad stories and you know bad stories There's a lot of bad stuff in the world um how do you how do you cover it and detach from it or does any of it stick with you yeah it does it definitely sticks with you it's hard to be detached when you're hearing these horrific stories in court and and just people just horrible tragedies that come out during the the trials and you know sentencing hearings um just the extreme loss of these families and and the extreme injuries of these these people um this morning was a dui crash and the extreme injuries that the people were left with that will affect their lives forever um and it's just heartbreaking to hear and and yeah you do lose a you know you do take a piece of their story home with you i know sometimes during um, homicide trials i've I catch myself not sleeping very well because there's just a lot, it's a lot to deal with. You're hearing a lot of really horrific, horrific stuff that, you know, it's hard not to be haunted by that. And I've always been struck that journalism schools don't, don't have any kind of um, programs for helping, helping reporters. I mean, you hear cops who go through training for how to do, you know, how to handle some of the, the stuff that they cover and kind of, we don't have that in journalism. And it's kind of, to me, one kind of something that probably they should be starting and discussing in journalism because in this, this world, more and more people are gonna be covering, you know, more and more journalists are gonna be covering mass shootings and those can just be emotional from people I know who've covered them and can just take, take a toll on, you know, it's, you know, yeah, journal journalists a lot of times they get forgotten about in terms of the trauma associated with the work that they do. Uh, you know, covering the pandemic most recently, um, you know, you were out there on the front lines. You know, the news doesn't stop; it changes. Uh, but there are definitely things about that where we've got to go talk to people, but before vaccinations and we're going to take precautions but we know that it's you know it's risky and people sort of take for granted that all of this news whether it's electronic on tv or newspaper form or on their computer just magically appears and they sort of forget that there's real people who are out putting all of that together and you know instead most often what we hear is when we we do something they don't like, right? They start complaining about bias, not the 98% of the rest of it where uh, they just consume it. You know, I, when I work at the Mercury News, speaking of trauma, like the only time in my, my um, uh, history of covering journalism, and I've been reporting since 1999, um, professionally anyway, was there was a domestic violence dispute and uh, the, the father took the one-year-old from the mother and put him in the car seat and drove away. And uh, cops were, or, or cops hadn't found him yet, but he was going really fast. And then he pulled over on the side of the road and started stomping the, the child. You know, he was so mad at the mom. This is his way of getting back. And then people pulled over. They saw this. And then he started to fight them. Like he, you know, and like he beat up like this senior citizen who was there. And so that was in Tulare County, you know, and I, at the time I was working in the, the San Jose office, San Jose proper. And uh, they're like, can you go out there and 
go talk to people saw this and that's like the only time ever in my career i mean i've covered all kinds of tragedies and horrible things most of it you know earlier in my career that was the only time when i was like i i i you know my kid was one at the time I'm like, i can't oh, wow. do this yeah. Yeah, this is too like you know so i went to the editor and just sort of said you know if you really want me to go like i'll go but can't we get somebody like else like is there a stringer or can i do this by phone um i, I really don't want to have to go relive this with a bunch of witnesses <laughs> and plus it was a little bit of a drive you know and uh so they were fine with it, you know, that kind of thing, you know, but it was like, that stuff is so, so sad, you know, and, you know, it's just, it's really tough. Um, and I want to, if we could dive in a little bit to the nature of the business, you know, as you know, journalism is really grueling with very little rewards. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about like your mindset or, or you know, why did you become a journalist? Because this career is one where it's a constant churn. And there aren't a lot of people in the world who are like, great job, you know, maybe someone in your family, maybe your editors, maybe your colleagues, but it's not like if you're on TV and you're an anchor and everywhere you go, people are like, oh, saw your story. You know, it's not like that at all. How do you uh, maintain your high level of production when it's such a grueling job to have? I think it's just, you, and when it comes down to it, it's got to be fun mm -hmm. and you have to love what you do because that's the, that's the reward that you get. And you've got to feel like you're serving the community. Um, you know, like this morning's court case, this is a chance for their, for this, these victim story to get out. Um, there was another one on, on Monday where their father was killed in a DUI crash. It's a chance for their story to get out. And for their message to be told and their pain to be expressed to the community and maybe maybe it'll help stop someone from drinking and driving and mm -hmm. causing another crash mm -hmm. um so when it comes down to it it just to me it, it just has to be fun in the beat and i have to love what i'm doing because that's that's really the reward we get and that's fulfilling and yeah the the praise is you know definitely needed and welcomed when it when it comes um i'm always struck by the differences between how people treat print media versus tv media because it is it is kind of an, an interesting dichotomy and stuff but i think just it has to be fun and you just have to have um have a love for it mm -hmm. to be able to do it and i do know that someone who was uh, actually a mutual friend of both of us, like former colleague, who covered, who was a new mom and covered, was covering a horrific uh, child torture story and was just haunted by having to hear some of that testimony in court. Just, um, yeah, so it's hard not to be affected by some of this stuff. Yeah. So take me back in time. You say you grew up in northern San Luis Obispo County. Did you want to be a journalist? What did what do your parents do? I, I find it interesting the people who choose journalism as a career path. You know, so I wind up in this. I know I've always found <laughs> doing interviews and finding how like people what le leads people to to join the military. It's the same thing. It, it's oh. always kind of an interesting path. Um, I just grew up in a family. My dad, I call myself a pseudo-military brat. My dad was full-time National Guard. We moved once, and I thought it was a great move because we went from Long Beach to uh, northern San Luis Obispo County. 
Um, my parents always subscribe to news magazines, newspapers, watch the news. And somewhere around the junior year in high school, I said, I think I want to do journalism. Mm. It's, I don't, that's the only thing I can remember pegging it to is I just really, really liked the idea of telling people stories. When it, um, I, none of my family had done, at that point, had done journalism. Since then, my, my older sister has married a, a guy involved in TV um, journalism, and one of my nephews is now involved in TV journalism, working at KUIT, KCOI. But at the time, I was I was the only one in the family um, until until she brought my brother-in-law in, and I just I went to Cuesta for two years, interned at KSBY, did some um, behind-the-scenes stuff just because I felt like I wanted some experience and wanted to see that side of the business, and then I transferred to Fresno State, and I was told by someone at the time that you can't go to a community college and and then transfer to a university and get out in four years, and I said, oh, I'm going to show you how wrong that is, and I <laughs> So with my dad's help, and my dad really helped me plot out the, the path and make sure I had the classes, I graduated in four years and immediately got a job for just a small weekly in the San Joaquin Valley in the center of Raisin Country, um, which was fun. It was a whole new industry that I knew nothing about. It was a little Swedish-themed town. Um, and I just had fun covering city council meetings and doing feature stories and you know, they had a watermelon festival and Swedish festival and all the fun little festivals. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, I transferred to the Hanford Sentinel in Kings County. Um, oh, that's that's where you get the speeding tickets when you're on 101. <laughs> Is that King City? Sorry, that's King no, City. That, you're, you're talking, yeah, the speed trap at King City. That's, <laughs> but yes, that's a very known well-known speed trap anyone i know who's headed north i'm always like remember the speed trap at king city <laughs> yeah because it's definitely there um so yeah i worked in hanford for three years and then came back to the coast and this is santa maria is where we always went back to school shopping so santa maria was the big city to us you know living in in northern san luis obispo and um Santa Maria is where I got my first camera um, at Jemco, which oh. is Target. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. I remember. I remember Mervin's in Santa Mervin, Maria. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was lamenting with someone the other day about how we miss Mervin's and Gotchocks and. Gotchocks. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. All yeah. the old time fun <laughs> department stores. <laughs> Now, um, obviously, you love what you do because you could not be um, as productive as you are, uh, you know, at high quality work as you are if you didn't love love it. Um, you know, so many of our colleagues around, um, you know, late two thousands, you know, after the recession, you know, like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, they jumped to PR, right? Because you can make more money in PR most of the time, and uh, quite frankly, it's less work. It's a lot less work. Uh, I've worked in PR and um, they just, they don't understand the amount of work that journalists do on deadline, accurate, constantly, you know, um, and so it's less work, it's more money. And uh, 
Did you ever uh, think about that? I mean, certainly, you know, I think I don't think anyone would be uh, judgmental of you if you thought, oh, man, I got to cover another festival on a Sunday. I got to think about doing something else. And then, you know, you kind of when you're done with the story, you kind of reset. Right. And you're like, no, oh, it was fun. You know, but can you can you talk a little bit? You ever think about switching careers or what made you stay? I've toyed with it over the time over the years. Um but in the end, it just seemed like this is this made sense, um, and it's fun. It's you know, it's it's really fun. I mean, how many jobs do you get to go hang out and watch a rocket launch, and you know, how many jobs do you get to to tell people's story and help share their pain and help influence you know get their message out there. So it's in the end, it's just fun. Yeah. You know? I feel like it's valuable, valuable work we're doing. And it's sad to me that society, there's parts of society that don't recognize that, but I think I think it's important. And I believe we have an important role in society still. Yeah. And every day is different for us. Like we just don't really know what's going to happen. We think we do, but I think yeah. part of what keeps us in it is it's so stimulating. You know, it's always changing and uh, it's always unpredictable. And so nothing it's never boring right we never can exactly. say that today my job is boring although there are parts of council meetings that are boring <laughs> i will confess yeah I, I i learned to love them you know it's like you, you cover them so much you're like i i learned to treat them almost as movies with characters and i just try to set the scenes you know um, obviously during zoom that changes a little bit but um can you talk to me a little bit about your writing style? Um, I, you have a distinct writing style. If I looked at every story in News Hawk today and I didn't look at the byline, you know, and obviously I know the beats, but I would definitely know your work because you're funny. You know, you're clever. You turn a phrase well. Um, you have a voice. You have a writing voice. And, and not every journalist has that. And Some journalists go 30 years and they never develop a voice. You know, they're just kind of typing. Um, they do a good job, but it's um, it's a skill and you have that skill. Can, can you talk to me about how you approach writing and what percentage of your job consists of focusing on that part of it versus, you know, the news and the fact gathering? I've never thought, thought it through that way. And I always felt like my writing might be kind of boring other than... <laughs> you know when i'm sometimes when there's a chicken a truck with chickens that you know crashes off the side of the road and they end up on the other side yeah i'm gonna make a make a joke in the story that the chp didn't say why the chickens crossed the road or something something goofy that apparently everyone spotted and read and loved because i got a bunch of emails about it mm -hmm. um i just write I just write. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. I don't really. Yeah, I just write. And I, I've seen people who will, you know, start their story and then never go back and change a thing. They will write every, you know, and I'm more scattered. I'll start at the top and then move to the bottom. Sometimes if I've got the bottom of the story that's, I want to, you know, type out those graphs, I'll do that. But I haven't really, um, I'm usually kind of all over the place on how I do that. So I haven't really thought about my writing you, style. That's right. Do you, do you think about long paragraphs versus short paragraphs, uh, varying uh, short sentences with long sentences? I mean, there's clearly a, you, you've done it so long and done it well that you probably do it without even thinking about it. But 
I mean, do you, there, there's certainly an architecture to your writing. So I'm just wondering if that is something that you're aware of or not. I guess I'm not. Other yeah. than, I, I don't, as a reader, I don't like long paragraphs. Right. Um, they just, I will freeze up and not, and not read something, if, especially when it's just the chunks of gray. Right. I, whether it's online or in print. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I mean, I, so I think that probably makes me, makes me think towards short paragraphs. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've never just, I just write. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what would you sort of say like to young writers who still kind of maybe get caught up in the bureaucracy of the government that they're covering? I mean, you're covering Vandenberg, right? Like there's nothing more difficult to digest when you're talking about sort of like space and rockets. I mean, that stuff is really difficult. Um, so you obviously have to work in order to, to focus on the impact. Can you talk a little bit about just the importance of remembering, hey, we're writing this not for the sources necessarily. We're writing it for the people who don't already know everything about this, you know, so how do you make that, that switch in your reporting and your storytelling? That's always hard. Cause I find sometimes to understand it, you need to understand the complex side of it mm -hmm. so that you can dumb it down and make it easier for people to understand and, and comprehend. Um, and I find it's not just the aerospace stuff. I mean, yeah, that's its own complication. Court has its own, crazy terminology and and complications planning planning commission stuff land planning issues to me is just a whole another world of of crazy foreign land um of terminology <laughs> and <laughs> stuff that right. is hard to comprehend so i think i just you know you try to comprehend it so that you know know the bigger picture and then do remember that you are writing for Sometimes it helps just to picture someone who doesn't understand it and just picture them and pretend like you're telling them exactly how this, how this plays out and why it's, why it's important. And that's the other thing is not just regurgitating what they say, but explaining why someone should care. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the most important thing is why should someone care? Yeah. Whether it's the launch of a satellite or a planning issue or, you know, has there been much talk on, you know, with Vandenberg and aerospace, since there's been so much discussion lately about this, uh, you know, these unidentified aerial objects, you know, you've got the government coming out and saying, yeah, there's things out there, we don't know what it is. And they're not saying they're alien spacecraft, they're saying we don't know what they are. Has that come out up at all? Is that anything part of Vandenberg's discussion at all in terms of some of the military people sort of saying, we're seeing UFOs. We don't know what they are, though. Not really. Not that I've heard. So, I mean, they're a pretty close, close mouth group out there. Um, I think there's some online stuff of people claiming that they were at Vandenberg and saw <laughs> UFOs and, you know, some yeah. kind of. So, but not not anything official and anything that high level would come out of the Pentagon and, and the White House. And there's no way Vandenberg would want to step on any toes. Yeah. And get that political stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, can, we, can we talk a little bit about your photography? One of the things they do at NUSOC is we have to take our own pictures. And that's pretty different, at least how I remembered it. Uh, but now, actually, more 
mainstream print uh, papers are asking their photographers to shoot or their reporters to shoot photos as well. How were you able to make that adjustment to go from being just a writer to also being a photojournalist? So it kind of, um, when I first started in Kingsburg, I took my own photography, took my own pictures. I didn't have photography um, at the time and it was good old fashioned film cameras that we were using and um, that had to, you know, we had to drive the film up to our sister publication so they could process the film um, in the old school, the old school ways. And so I've always kind of enjoyed the photography side of things. I've, I took a couple photography classes in college. I also enjoy working with photographers, however. I mean, I'm, you know, a lot of times it's fun because they have a fun eye and a different look at things. And, you know, I'm okay composing in the camera, but I don't worry about the technical stuff. I will confess, I put it totally on program. Mm-hmm. and totally idiot proof so that all I have to do is compose in the frame Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, because I don't want to be messing with all that technical stuff especially when you're taking notes sometimes I always think that it's writing is more of one side of the brain and photography is the other side of the brain and when you're trying to do both it can get just crazy Mm -hmm. so um, I enjoy the photography side of things but it's definitely it's definitely um nice sometimes to have the photographer to work with as I'm sure you remember and frankly there's times when I the photographer kind of served as your bodyguard on assignments yeah. and yeah. you were you were their bodyguard mm-hmm. so which I'm sure you remember you know yeah well it, it so helps to pair up uh you know yeah. I cover when I work San Jose uh you got to go into some some parts East San Jose uh yeah. Fremont San Francisco uh, as a murder I worked the Sunday thursday shift so i'd come in sunday at two and have to okay. write about all the horrible stuff that happened saturday night and uh <laughs> yeah strength in numbers you know like I, I remember knocking on like a dead body right in the middle of the parkway there <clears throat> knocking on doors and and you know having your na- knees shaking a little bit because you're like yeah. i don't know this person's gonna come out and do but that's we do the journalism because we love it and we're not cops obviously but um, a lot of what we do is still really dangerous. And I think people, uh, you know, they don't always understand that or, or sort of see that. But um, yeah, you know, it's always nice to have somebody with you. You know, I, I had Brooke Holland and Jade Martinez-Pogue um, on the show a few weeks ago. And, and I asked them this question I want to ask you too is, um, what is it like to be a woman in journalism and in terms of um, how people treat you. Have you, have you ever felt like they, um, you have to work a little bit differently or a little bit harder in order to uh, be taken seriously? Um, have you had to overcome any, any, any boundary issues, uh, just people who maybe not, uh, talk to you in the same way that they might talk to a, to a male journalist. Is, have you seen anything like that in your career? I probably have through the years, but mm-hmm. just kind of left it off was mm-hmm. not really something I was going to, you know, deal with uh you know there was one source that would always like to greet us greet women by kissing their hand which was kind of creepy but um <laughs> yeah. not recently i would imagine right no, not, recently. <laughs> <laughs> not that long ago either oh, okay still in santa maria they um yeah i haven't really i can't recall any extreme instances or i just kind of ignored it and kept moving and 
that's not gonna stop me. I mean, you can try, but it's not gonna stop me. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's the thing about being a journalist is that uh, we're we're so primed every second to have to overcome things in order to get information that a lot of times we don't even understand what's purposeful or intentional or we're just like I want the story get out of my way kind of thing (laughs) Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, the future the future of the industry obviously newspapers are much smaller Uh, the LA Times today is smaller than it was even five years ago uh, the New York Times, you know, the the local paper in Santa Barbara is, you know, super small. Santa Maria Times is small. Um, everything is shrinking, yet journalism is like so much more important today <laughs> than it's ever been, especially during the Trump, you know, era. Of course, um, what do you what do you see of the the future of journalism in the next five ten years? Well, I still see a future for journalism. I think the, you know, if nothing else, the last few years have shown the importance of having independent professional journalists that are out there looking for the story and reporting on whether it's, you know, the so-called good news or the so-called bad news or investigating the, the um, fraud that goes on at different levels of government. I think it's still important. I think it's sad because a lot of the decisions that have led to the demise of newspapers have been made from within the walls of the newspaper and they sometimes seem to shoot themselves in the foot, um, which I think we've both seen at local papers and papers we're familiar with. Um, And I just, I firmly believe that there's a value and an importance out there for independent professional journalism to tell people stories and to report on the important stuff that affects people's lives. So. Yeah. When you worked for the Santa Maria Times, was it owned by Lee Central Coast newspapers or someone else? I first started um, and actually, I mean, in a, it's kind of a telling time of journalism. When I first started at Kingsburg, they were a family owned little newspaper owned by a family in Selma um, and they owned the Selma Enterprise and the Kingsburg Recorder. When I went to Hanford, they were part of Scripps League newspapers and they were a sister paper to the Santa Maria Times um, at the time. And then, so when I joined Santa Maria, they were Scripps League newspapers. Um, I affectionately called them one of the cheap Charlie chains. They were not one of the more uh, generous Scripps newspapers. They, um, the owners enjoyed their yachts in Florida and um, anyways there's at some point they sold to Pulitzer and we were part of a chain with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Okay. One of the Arizona papers and some other small weeklies are small newspapers and then Pulitzer eventually sold to Lee Enterprises. Okay. Uh, and then since then, Lee Enterprises has sold off the Santa Maria Times. Um, well, at some point, Lee Enterprises also um, obviously had owned the record. Um, I mean, owned the uh, Hanford Sentinel. But then at some point, they also acquired the Kingsburg Recorder. So suddenly, all the papers I worked with were under one chain. Um, <laughs> which kind of says a lot about how journalism has gone. Uh, And then since then, Hanford, all those papers have been sold to another 
firm that I'm not that familiar with, but they're no longer part of Lee. Yeah. So. Well, I worked with, uh, I worked for Lee when I worked for the North County Times. Oh, that's in right. San Diego County. And uh, they had all these little bureaus. Like we, I remember I was a copy editor and page designer and, you know, it was like Encinitas, Vista, Carlsbad, Oceanside, right. Escondido, you know, all these uh, different areas. And uh, they were, um, they were fine, you know, like every place when you start <laughs> over time, <laughs> you get smaller and smaller and smaller and then fewer employees. And then they ended up selling to the the San Diego Union Tribune, you know, and I only worked there for like a year and a half before I okay. came to Santa Barbara, but came back to Santa Barbara. But it is, it is sort of sad. Um, I got it in the mail. I got the the Epoch Times. I don't know if you've seen this newspaper. Um, no, uh, it's um, it's um, it's Epoch Times, Epic Times, but it's a very anti uh, Chinese government newspaper, and that's very conservative and. Uh, it's you know it's like they build themselves as a newspaper based on uh, traditional values you know but it's just interesting that the types of new papers that sort of emerge the traditional ones kind of change and we got all these people who are influential on on youtube and they're kind of you know telling their stories and it's just this weird kind of media world that we live in but uh, you know, to thanks to people like you, uh, you know, you've been steady the whole time doing good journalism. And so that's one of the things that I really, uh, you know, I'll just say it again, like you do a lot and I really respect people who, uh, who write a lot. <laughs> and so it's, that's, uh, that's really impressive. Um, I see some uh, photos on the wall there. Who is, is a wedding dress or you have family you talk about, or who's in the background there on your background? Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's my um parents and grand both sets of grandparents okay yeah, yeah that's cool uh, so um do you have any just so we wrap up here do you have any thoughts on um i mean you you good you know it's a tough question of course but you know i had dreams when i was before i had kids like i'm gonna go to mercury news and then i'm gonna go to the la times and then I'm going to go to the New York Times, I'm going to go to the Washington Post, and I'm going to, you know, go as far as I can. And then I had kids, and I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. Like, that stuff just doesn't really matter to me anymore. I just would love to get paid for doing journalism somewhere, you know, and still be able to be home with my kids. Um, I guess the question is, like, can you talk a little bit about, before we go, just the importance of small town journalism, what we do, right? Like, we all don't need to be working for the New York Times and doing these investigative pieces on the White House in order for us to be doing important, meaningful work. Can you talk about why you've chosen to, to be a reporter in a small town and why that still matters? I just think in some ways you're touching people's lives more directly. I mean, I think uh, you just have a, a bigger say in, you know, and a bigger, a bigger role in, in influencing people's lives and um, and telling their stories, you're closer, you're closer to the stories and, you know, and people who knock small town newspapers, all you have to do is look at the Pulitzer Prize list. There's many, many times when some of the small town newspapers are the ones that are earning, earning Pulitzer Prizes and that have done, you know, for their investigative work, for their work, serving their communities. And it, 
and it's not all about prizes. I mean, sometimes the best prize is having the family be grateful that you told their story and that their story got told. You know, I think sometimes that that is what's important, and you can you can do that in a small town, maybe more than you can at a at a big publication. Yeah, you know, no one feels like you know we're parachuting in in a small town when they see you at any of these meetings that you go to they're like it's Janine and you are as much of the community as the people you're writing about so you know I think they respect that more if you're at this big paper you're just kind of in and out and people don't even know who you are so that's definitely true but I want to thank you Janine for taking some time to talk about you and your story and in journalism Um, I love talking journalism and I've always I always sort of appreciate the work that you do because you are a really good reminder of sort of the bridging of the both worlds you know the journalism that the solid old school newspaper print reporter who goes in and just gets it done but you're also very contemporary and current and working into the future in this online model and you're kicking butt you know with just daily just writing all these incredible stories so um, definitely uh, inspirational in that regard so thank you for for taking the time and I know you've got probably three or four other things to do today so <laughs> thanks a lot Janine busy all right I'll see you thank, thank you, you.